Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11, on May 28, 2023. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, maybe I've kind of ruined this. Uh, by introducing what today is already, but I, I want to start today by taking a poll, like I actually want you to raise your hands, poll. Of the persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which one is the most mysterious? How many think the Father? Okay, zero. How many think the Son? See, I already ruined it, right? How many think the Holy Spirit? Yeah, okay. You got, the right, you got the right answer. The Holy Spirit tends to be the most mysterious. Some people call him the, the shy person of the, the Trinity. And it's not because we don't know anything about the Holy Spirit, but it's because we, we know so much about the Father. We know even more about Jesus and, and what Scripture tells us. Comparatively, we know a little bit less about the, the Holy Spirit. So today is a great day because today is Pentecost Sunday where we get to focus on the Holy Spirit. Pentecost Sunday took place 50 days after Easter, 10 days after Jesus ascended into heaven. If you know a little bit of Latin, penta means 50. So that's your memory cue there. Uh, And this is where God gave the gift of the, the Holy Spirit to his people. Jesus had promised the gift of the Holy Spirit. You heard that in the gospel, and that wasn't even the, pl- the first place where he promised the gift of the Holy Spirit. He, he promised it throughout his, his gospels. Because after Jesus ascended into heaven, he wasn't just going to leave his people with, with nothing. Uh, he was going to send the Spirit to, to dwell with and in his people. And so today we get to, to answer a pretty simple question. Um, what's the Spirit still doing today? That's, that's going to be the focus of, of the sermon here. And, and the Apostle Paul wants his people to understand this as well, which is why we're going to look at 1 Corinthians to talk about this. The Apostle Paul talks about the Holy Spirit quite a bit in the 13 books that he, he wrote. Uh, but here, specifically in, in, in the 1 Corinthians, uh, he's writing to Corinth and he's trying to describe to them uh, the relationship between the, the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts, because there's a tight connection there. And it seems like in Corinth at that time, uh, there was a confusion about spiritual gifts and also some abuses about spiritual gifts. So it's good for him to to tell them this, and and it's good for us to hear this as well. So he he starts off, and these are are in the first two verses that weren't included in the reading today, but I'm going to steal a few things from there. He starts off clearly with his goal. He says, I do not want you to be uninformed, okay? So he's trying to, he's trying to educate the, the Corinthians here. Uh, and then he, he takes a step back first. Before he's going to launch into talking about the, the spiritual gifts of the, the people, he's going to, to talk in verse 2, which is right here, and verse 3, which we read today. And his step back is, this is what you were before the Holy Spirit worked in your heart. So he says to the the Corinthians, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Now maybe uh, learning a little bit about the city of Corinth would be useful here too. Corinth was the big city 
of the day. This was like the New York, the Los Angeles, the Chicago of the day. Uh, people went there to make their fortunes because a for- fortunes could be made in Corinth. It was the center of commerce and trade. It was right on a, a trade route on, in the Mediterranean Sea there. Uh, it, it was a place where, where people were very learned. They were educated. This was not too far away from the center of Greek philosophy and, and wisdom in Athens, and a lot of that was, was present in Corinth at that time. But, but amongst the, the many awesome things about the city of Corinth, even though you could make a fortune there, even though this was a place to, to get a great education, it also had the problems that come with those things too. Some people felt like they were too smart or too educated for God. Uh, some people felt like that they, they had all they needed because they had this earthly wealth and they no longer needed God. Some people obviously chased after mute idols, these gods that couldn't do anything for them. And others were taken by a lifestyle of debauchery and, and immorality. Now, what does that have to do with us, right? We're South Dakotans. We, we don't have big cities here. Those are big city problems for New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, right? We don't have that in Sioux Falls or Brandon, do we? Oh, you bet we do. <laughs> you bet we do. We have, we have people who, who uh, are, are earth, have earthly wealth but are spiritually poor. We have people who forget that, that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. They're really smart, but they forget that the fear of the Lord is that start to wisdom there. And, and not just people, even me, even you, because you know what? We all have something in, in common. We have a, a fail flaw, you might say. We, we tend to give ourselves more credit than we deserve. We tend to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. And because of that, because we have that inclination, we have a really hard time wrapping our heads around our true spiritual state without Jesus. When we hear things like this in the Bible, we have a hard time accepting it. When Paul says, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. Nothing good. (laughs) The Bible says it very clearly, and Paul's not the only one to say it. It says it throughout Scripture that nothing good lives within me. Not even a little bit of good. I am totally depraved, totally meritless of anything from from God. And that's a really hard thing for us who like to give ourselves a little bit more credit than we deserve, who think of ourselves more highly than we ought. It's hard for us to wrap our our heads around. But, But this is how lost we are without Jesus or without the work of the Holy Spirit. We can't even say that Jesus Christ is our Lord and mean it on our own. We can't even come to believe in Jesus on our own because we are spiritually dead. Now, if, if any of you have gone through faith builders here at our congregation before, you've seen this picture. Uh, you've seen a couple smiles, so I, I know that you have seen this picture before. Someone who's dead, how much power do they have to reach out and grab that life raft? None. I've, I've never seen, except in movies, someone sticking their hand out of the, the grave, right? They have no power to grab that life raft. Same is true for someone who is spiritually dead. 
When you're spiritually dead, you can't do anything. You can't reach out and grab Christ. You can't take one step towards him. You can't accept him into your heart. You can't do any of those things because you're spiritually dead. But God didn't leave you in the grave. He he reached down and yanked you out of that grave and made you alive. And you know who he used to do it? used the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the one who worked in your heart, a heart that was spiritually dead, and that Holy Spirit made you alive. He took a heart that was a heart of stone and made it a heart of flesh. He he took someone who couldn't confess on their own that Jesus Christ is their Lord, that Jesus Christ is their Savior, and he gave you faith. I'm going to get a little nerdy here for a second. Maybe you're kind of used to that by this point. Uh, But I promise you it's worth it. Uh, The Greek word for spirit is panoima. Say it with me. Panoima. Panoima. Uh, If if it says, if it's Holy Spirit, it has the word hagias attached to panoima. Now, panoima can show up in other parts of Scripture because it means uh, spirit, but it can also mean wind or breath as well. So hold that. Now think back to when, when Adam was created by, by God. Do you remember he was formed out of the dust of the ground? God formed him out of the dust of the ground. And then how did he give him life? Do you remember? He breathed into him the breath of life. He panoimed into him the breath of life. That, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It's in his very name. He's the holy breath. The Holy Spirit, he breathes into those who are dead. He breathes into those who are dust, the breath of life. Not not physically, but but spiritually. He makes you alive in Christ. He takes someone who who has a heart that is going to, to hell and gives them life, changes their fate altogether. The Holy Spirit gives this faith. He breathes faith, and he continues to strengthen believers by breathing into them the breath of life. So, uh, here's the first thing that the Holy Spirit is still doing today. He is creating and strengthening faith. And he's working through means to do that. He's working through the Word of God. He's working through baptism. He's working through the Lord's Supper to create and strengthen faith, to breathe life into his, his fellow believers. But he's doing other stuff too here, and that's what Paul goes on to say. Uh, He talks about different spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit had given to the church at that time. Here's that list. So we got wisdom and knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, we could say kind of discernment there, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues. Now, of that list, there's probably some of those that are Self-explanatory, you know what those mean. There's maybe a few that we should take a second and, and explain. And uh, funny enough that the first one is actually faith that we probably need to explain. Because didn't we just get done talking about how that's the main work of the Spirit? The most important work of the Spirit is to create faith and strengthen faith in the heart of His people. So, so why is it listed as a special spiritual gift here? Well, perhaps here we need to distinguish between saving faith, which is the work of the Spirit, which is his most important work, creating, saving faith, strengthening 
saving faith. And this kind of faith seems to be either a heroic faith, you maybe know someone that has sort of a heroic faith, or a miracle-working faith, a faith that was able to work these miracles that kind of connects with miraculous powers in healing, which we'll talk about a little bit more in a second. It seems, it seems like in the early Christian church, and we have evidence of this in the book of Acts, that the Holy Spirit enabled uh, people to, to do miracles, to heal people. Uh, and this was, was something that happened in the early Christian church. If you read through the book of Acts, you can see Peter and John performing miracles, other apostles performing miracles. The Spirit enabled them to do this. And so a natural question that we all have after we, we hear about that is why isn't that still happening today? Is the, is the Holy Spirit still working? Because I've, I don't know if I've ever seen a miracle before. Maybe you're asking yourself the same thing. Well, well maybe there's a few things to consider here. The first, the first one is, how do you know? <laughs> how do you know that, that the Holy Spirit isn't still working in that way today? How many miracles perhaps have happened today that, that we've explained as coincidence or we've given credit to something else, doctors, science, whatever? Um, Perhaps the Holy Spirit is still working in that way today, and it's just outside of our awareness. But even if he isn't, or even if it's less frequently that, that he's doing that, we, we have to say a few things. First, the Holy Spirit is not limited in what gifts he can give his church. If he still wanted to give these gifts in the same way that he did in the early Christian church, he could. And we, we don't need to limit the Spirit in doing that. Uh, another thing uh, to consider is that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to his church at a specific time for a specific need, which connects really well to, to my next point here. Um, the early Christian church, at the time of the, of the book of Acts, they didn't have something that we have today. They didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have the entirety of Scripture like we had today. So, if you were uh, somebody at that time who, were, who was following the way, as they, they said, if you were a Christian or starting to learn about Christianity, how did you know that the message you were listening to, coming from the apostles or from someone else, how did you know that that was the truth? How did you know that that came from God, that, that this was divinely inspired? Well, the apostles were eyewitnesses, so you felt like you had a certain amount of, of trust and, and validation there. But a lot of times, these acts of healing, these miracles, were attached to a message. They were to certify a message, which is the same thing you can see about Jesus throughout his Gospels as well. You might remember this, this account where Jesus is in a house and they, they lower this man through the, the roof because they couldn't get in to to, to have, present this man before Jesus because it was so packed. And Jesus, before he heals him, he, he forgives this guy's sins, and the Pharisees are standing there, and they're thinking, they're not even saying this out loud, but they're thinking, who is this guy that he can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. They questioned Jesus' divinity. They questioned the words that Jesus was saying. And so what did Jesus do? He healed the man to help him, sure, but to certify his message. He has power to forgive sins. He truly was God 
And God seemed to do the same thing through the, the, the apostles in the early Christian church. In order to certify this message, to say that this is a divinely inspired message from, from God, in, in order to give people certainty in the words that they were hearing, he, he attached miracles and healing to those, to those words. Now, now today, we have the whole of Scripture we have the, the powerful word of God. It needs no more validation. It needs no more certainty because we know and we can trust with all certainty that we have God's word. And so we come to church here not to see faith healings and not to, uh, not to see miracles, but to hear the powerful word of God and to receive from him uh, the things that he's promised to work in, the word and the sacraments. Ah, but what about this speaking in tongues business. How many of you have, I'll ask you to raise your hand again, how many of you have heard of speaking in tongues before? It's okay if you haven't. Okay, a lot of you have. In, in case you haven't heard of what speaking in tongues is, it, it's somebody who would stand up and they would speak in an unintelligible language. Uh, nobody could really understand them except for someone who had the gift of interpreting tongues. Now this was a real spiritual gift in the early Christian church. It was a real spiritual gift, and it was meant to edify a group of, of people here. Uh, but people began to misuse this gift. People began to abuse the, this gift of speaking in, in tongues from the Spirit because they started to say that this was the litmus test of whether you truly had the Spirit or not. If you could speak in tongues, then the Spirit was truly working in you, or He was working in you a little bit more than He was working in Dave over here. They used it as a way to compare. They started to say this spiritual gift was, more, uh, was superior to any other spiritual gift. Now, now, Paul has something to say about that. Because we all have been given different spiritual gifts, just like the, the, those in the early Christian church were given different spiritual gifts too. And Paul says this to, to the people. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. You, you all have a different collection of gifts. They, they in the early Christian church had a different collection of gifts and they weren't just limited to the ones we put on the screen there too. But they all, all those spiritual gifts had the same source. They all came from the Holy Spirit. Paul goes on. There are different kinds of service but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working but in all of them and in every one it is the same God at work. There is no place in the church for using your spiritual gift as leverage for your arrogance and your pride. There is no spiritual gift that, that is more important or, or superior to other spiritual gifts. But the Holy Spirit has gifted each of you for a specific purpose. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for what? For the common good. Your gift was not given to you for you. And so it's not yours to hoard. It's not yours to, to flaunt. But it's yours to be used for the common good. For the building up of the, the church. For your neighbor. You know, after four years of being a, a pastor here, I've gotten to know you, some of you really well. Most of you really well. And I can say with all confidence, you all have spiritual gifts. 
and your spiritual gifts are different from one another. Some of you are the, 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 the friendly, smiling face that someone sees when they walk into the worship for the first time. You're the person that makes someone feel at home when they're here. Some of you just have the, this great diligence. You put your head down and, and you get to work. You're really hard working. Some of you are great encouragers. You can just kind of sense when, when someone's not having a great week or a great month or a great year, and you're, you're there to encourage them. Some of you are incredibly hospitable. You're willing to open up your house to, to other people. You can make a, a dang good casserole, and, and you're, you're okay doing that on a regular basis, too. Some of you have been gifted with a lot more money, and you're able to bless a congregation, a group of people, in a way that others cannot. Some of you have been gifted with more time, and you're able to give more time than other people are able to give. I could go on and on and on and on. There's so many different spiritual gifts that exist within this congregation, but they're all for a purpose, for the common good, so that the body of Christ might be built up. And so it's my prayer that, that you take some time and you reflect on the, the spiritual gifts that God has given to you and how you can use them faithfully so that the body of Christ might be built up, so that your neighbor might be served. The Holy Spirit may be the, the most mysterious person of the Trinity, and he probably will always remain that. But we can trust and, and be confident that the Holy Spirit is still alive and active today. He's working in the hearts of believers. He's creating faith and he's strengthening faith and he's giving gifts to his people. Amen. Hi there, Pastor Wilkie here. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Uh, if you like the content that we're putting out as a church, could you do us a favor and could you hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast? That helps us get seen by more people more often so that more people will hear about Jesus. Uh, we hope you enjoyed today and, and we hope you tune in again next week for another sermon.